from Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center in Vacaville, California. Here's Reverend Dahlia Adams. Good morning. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and it is my honor and my pleasure to be here with you this Sunday morning. I'd like to begin with a happy Father's Day. Fathers are amazing people, and they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Um, they are the ones who are there for us when we are going through a growing phase, whether we're little or we're grown up, Jesus would call God Abba, which is Father. And whenever Jesus needed help with important challenges or transitions, he would turn to Abba, just like we turn to our fathers. I was told that when I was a, a, a baby, that whenever something was challenging me for whatever reason, I used to call my father Appa. I'd start calling Appa, Appa, Appa. And so there is that within us which reaches out to that person or presence that we call father, even if we don't use the word all of the time. And then there are those moments when we ourselves step into the role of father, where we help another, we guide them, we offer wisdom, we offer strength, we offer the encouragement that comes from a father's eyes when he looks upon a child, adopted or biological, and just knows and sees that Christ within them, the beauty within them. So fathers are so important, and happy Father's Day to each and every father and to everyone who has or ever had had a father or whoever turned to God as father. We celebrate all of that on Father's Day. I would also like to take a moment to honor Juneteenth, which was last Friday, but this entire weekend is a weekend of celebration. Juneteenth is the day we celebrate the end of slavery. And in this time, in what is happening in our country and around the world, it is the weekend to join together in a vision of justice for all and a world in which all people are honored and treated with love and respect a vision that is a mighty vision to hold. But this is a wonderful time to do that. So let's join together and hold that vision, hold it in our hearts and in our minds. So today we are talking about change. And it really doesn't link that directly with peace, except when we move through change in a way that we remain centered in the truth of who we are. If we set out to create change, also in a spirit of surrender to that presence of God and that openness to guidance, when we 
live in change in that manner, that peace that passes all understanding remains in our hearts and we can do this mighty work and we can show up as that peaceful presence. But I was trying to talk about something else. I had another topic in mind. Um, there, the only thing to talk about today is change. I mean, change is so present in every breath, in everything I see, in everything I experience. I spend my days planning changes. I turn on the TV and I listen about changes. When I settle down to meditate, I can feel the changes emerging within me. I listen to other people and I hear about change. I hear about the challenge or the joy of change or both. So change is in the air, it's in our soil, it's in our hearts, it's in our minds, whether we realize it or not. And change is not always easy. Change can be a challenge. And sometimes we don't even realize that it's a challenge until it catches up to us. So it's good to be aware. One of the most difficult changes, one of the most stressful changes, according to research, is getting married. And you would think it would be so joyous that the change would offer no challenge. But change, whether it's for a joyous purpose or to overcome difficulties, whatever the reason for change ends up being that which has been labeled stress. In other words, it challenges us. The words that Google offered as synonyms, and there were many of them, and I selected the ones that I felt were relevant to what we're talking about, to change is to advance, to move forward in creating a dream or achieving a goal. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that it happens without challenge. Change is metamorphosis. And metamorphosis means the physical form changes, completely changes. Think of a butterfly that was once a caterpillar, and this caterpillar spins a cocoon, and it comes out in a completely different form. I'm told that that cocoon experience is not pretty. You know, for those who study the biology of it. In fact, it, it can appear to be quite violent. But that metamorphosis, that change in form, is a profound and wonderful and meaningful change. But again, there are challenges. I sometimes wonder if that butterfly, when it emerges, wants to go back down on the ground and crawl, because that's what's familiar. Or there was a book written by um, a man named Kafka, named Metamorphosis, and in that book, I read it many years ago, so I could get some fine details wrong, but in that book, a man who, who was employed and went to work, he worked in an office, and I think 
he did something like accounting, which was very regular and predictable, and that was how he was used to living his life. And one day he woke up as a beetle. And when he woke up as a beetle, the only way he knew how to live was get up out of bed, get dressed, get his briefcase, and go to work. So that was the first thing he tried to do. Metamorphosis, when we change form in some way, means learning a new way of being, a new way of moving from one place to another. Change is also a shift. Our wonderful teacher Wayne Dyer talked about the inner shift that we need to be willing to make in our lives to create a meaningful, joyous, and fulfilling life. It's also transformation, and transformation is much like metamorphosis. The form of our existence changes. And then transmutation takes it further. Not only does the form change, but our very nature changes. Who we are changes. How we know ourselves changes. We have to change. We have no choice but to change. If we sat down one day and said, that's it, I'm not changing anymore, we would not be able to do it. A child has to grow. An adult has to transform and transmute and become wiser, more experienced, have deeper understanding, have different skills. I grew up so shy and so afraid to talk in front of a person. I was quiet as a mouse for fear of talking to anyone. Without change, without metamorphosis, without transmutation, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. So we, we change because we live. We change because we are spiritual beings having a human experience, and that human experience is set in time. And over time, we change. But sometimes we reach for changes. We have a vision of a change that we want to create or achieve. And then we have to advance forward even more deliberately, more intentionally. Because that, too, is a good thing, to create changes, to choose to change. Sometimes those changes are imposed. Like once upon a time, what feels like long, long ago in another land far away, but actually only three months ago, this little tiny being called a virus shut us down. And we didn't choose that change, but here we are, you know. And then that change created other changes. Change is also chemicalization, and this is a new thought word. It's a unity word, and one of our first authors, Dr. Emily Cady, wrote about it. She said, when we are changing, 
Even when we're choosing the change, when we want the change, we go through periods of time when we feel sick to our stomachs, literally. It feels so bad. Sometimes our entire body aches and our head hurts and we can't sleep. And there is an unrest inside that feels like it's going to do us in. But it's just that process of being in the cocoon, just like that caterpillar where we're feeling almost like our insides are being wrenched right out of us but it's a transformation process. It's during that time that we need to stay the course and remember that this will pass and hold to the truth, which is, as Gary teaches us, that we are beautiful children of God and that even in this experience, we are perfect in every way. We don't say that the caterpillar is perfect and the butterfly is perfect, but when that caterpillar is being wrenched inside and out in the cocoon, we don't say, but that, that little critter's not perfect then. There is a perfection in each step of the change. And the same for us. When we're going through those transmutations, when we're going through those metamorphoses, when we're experiencing the chemicalization, even in those moments, we are beautiful children of God. We are an expression of the divine life that breathes through us in each and every moment. So change disrupts our cognitive maps. And this is from my being in, in graduate school from, for psychology. I had one teacher that loved talking about this. What he said is, you know, we get up in the morning, we do our morning routine, brush our teeth, take a shower, whatever it is, have breakfast, we get in our cars or on the BART or wherever it is. We go to travel and we travel to our workplace. And mostly we don't have to think about any of that. It's effortless because in our minds, in our brains, there's this map that tells us what to do. But if one morning we would wake up as a beetle, we would have to create a brand new map because that map would not work. Or if one morning we woke up and it was Sunday and we could not go to the facility we have called our church or our spiritual center, we would have to stand back and there would be the sense of now what do I do? How do I live this moment? My map doesn't work for me anymore. And having a map in place is so easy and smooth and effortless. But to operate without a familiar map, a cognitive map, takes effort and thought and decision-making every step of the way. Change not only disrupts our cognitive maps, but it disrupts our sense of who we are and what we are. I've heard from so many people as they've been going through the shelter-in-place experience that most of the time I'm doing fine, but then there are days when I feel disoriented and I'm not sure why I'm here and what I'm doing. 
And it doesn't have to be just the current pandemic. Sometimes we lose someone we love, someone we've shared our days with. And that can disrupt our sense of who we are. You know, that love that we share with a person when another makes a transition doesn't go away. We hold the love in our hearts, but that routine, the sharing of the day, the conversations we're used to having, when that is not there, we have to come to know ourselves in a new way. And change disrupts our sense of what we've been calling normal. And I know many people have heard or thought about or read the fact that there might not be such a thing as normal. But the thing is, before this change comes into our lives, we really do believe that there is something normal about who we are and what we do. Like that normal, whatever we call it, needs to be there for our lives to go on. Well, normal can be different. One year normal is this, another year normal is this, another year normal is that. So normal is not the defining criteria. And to realize that can really shake us up. This is why it's always important. Last week we talked about returning to peace, returning to truth, returning to love. When we're going through all this and that chemicalization, when we return to the truth of who we are, when we return to that peace that passes all understanding, when we return to love, which is really, really the truth of our being, for God is love. God is that infinite love that enfolds us, moves through us, makes us one. When we return to that love, those situations that seem to demand that we grumble no longer demand the grumble. We realize that all of those things that are changing including that which is changing within us, is all doing what it's doing, but that core of our being, our oneness with God, changes not. And I borrow that from St. Teresa, who had a poem then turned into a song, Let nothing disturb you, let nothing affright you, all things change, but God changes not. So we return to God, to the love, the peace, the power, the truth that is God. There's a song by a New Thought uh, musician. It's called Something is Calling Me, and that's, I think, a picture of the album. And in the song, in the, he keeps repeating, something is calling me. And that's the truth. When we are moving through changes, there is always something calling us to be greater, to be smarter, to understand more deeply, to love more powerfully, 
Something is always calling us if we listen. But he keeps repeating, something is calling me. And then the lyrics go on and he sings, and it feels like I'm walking on marbles. I love that line because for me, when I'm really in the midst of big change, lots of change, I find myself, you know, where I had solid footing before, it's not there anymore. And I take a powerful step and that which used to hold me up is different. So there's this feeling of walking on marbles. And I remember his song, and there, oh, it's just one of those moments. That the footing, the ground beneath my feet is that presence of God. The rest is extra. The rest is just extra. So here's a story of change. This is a picture of our spiritual center facility. This, this is the building. And the second week in March, we were inside that building. And we were not thinking twice about anything. We were laughing, we were eating, we were singing, we were praying, we were hugging. And the, the talking was so loud, you could barely hear yourself think sometimes. But it was beautiful. It was a celebratory experience. And this is a picture of some of the singing that was going on in our sanctuary. Some of the eating, that was actually a tea that we shared in, but it, that's kind of how it looks when everyone's sitting around eating and enjoying each other's company. And then this tiny, tiny, tiny critter, so tiny, showed up in many numbers, and then it looked like this. still beautiful, but you know what that drives home is that the spiritual center, our community, whether you used to come to this building or whether you've joined us online, is not dependent on that. It's the love we have in our hearts. It's our commitment to the mission of the spiritual center, the the mission to transform lives, beginning with our own, to inspire growth in ourselves and others, to, to be a loving community, whether we can physically touch or not, and to shine the light of God wherever we are, whatever we're doing, even if we're in that cocoon, feeling the pain of it all, to know that we are shining the light of God. And so this is what we look like now instead of a crowd in the building, you know, that's all digitally done and uh, we are actually on the physical platform, but there's a team that, that puts it together and creates it into a Sunday service. Talk about change. Talk about change. And it's such a beautiful change in some ways because... You know, sitting in a building is wonderful and it's beautiful and I, I truly am looking forward to that. But that's not the way of the future. Being able to meet online and to expand our walls to the entire world, that's 
the 21st century, that's moving into the future. That's allowing our church community to move from caterpillar to butterfly, allowing our services to fly around the globe and to allow ourselves to learn to love people we've never seen face to face. Now, I, we'll still come together again, some of us. But now we have to think of ourselves differently. We have to feel a different identity. Our walls are beautiful, but we are no longer limited by our walls. When I first started thinking that, I didn't feel any joy. I just felt terror. Today... Today, there is a joy in it that it amazes me because I could not have done this. Even our team could not have done this without that creative power of God moving through us and leading this community into something greater and bigger with more possibilities. And this is how we've been coming together, waving at the end of the service. People at home on Zoom and sending in little videos. And so we will find more and more ways of allowing our virtual community to come together. We will find more and more ways of allowing our identity, the way we know ourselves, to grow and expand still keeping some of those things we really love so much. But the thing is, when we come back together, it seems like it's going to be July 5th, and I only hesitate because there are things happening in our county, and the public health department is sending up some warnings. But assuming we meet on July 5th, there are going to be differences. You got a letter in the email and the little bit on top is how it starts and in that first sentence it says exciting news of our July 5th 10 a.m. opening but when you gather when those who will gather in this building when when those of you gather this is going to be part of the the new circumstance temporarily but then we don't know how long temporary is right there will be masks Right now, guidelines are not to have food, not to have drink. We will have to create new ways of sharing joy and love. Because, man, we got so used to doing that, you know, hugging and eating. But those aren't the only ways of loving each other. So make sure you read your letter and come with an open heart. Come knowing that any discomfort you might feel is this chemicalization that just says you're growing. You're becoming more, you're becoming wiser, you're becoming greater. You know, and, and this is such a huge change. Imagine, just try to imagine that that would have been the only big change you've had to deal with in the last three months, this virus and its impact. Just imagine that the only real challenge you faced 
since the middle of March was learning how to adapt and change because of this virus. Does everyone feel like this huge sense of relief? <laughs> like a mountain is being... Because as big, that would have been enough. And that would have been enough for years and years. The memories, the, the stories, the recovering from it, the learning from it. But all we have to do is read a newspaper, turn on a TV, go online, and there are huge, huge changes happening all around the world, just like this virus is all around the world. And these changes are come from a place of huge pain, of huge loss, a history of injustice. And it's brought thousands and thousands and thousands of people out who are saying, we want change. We want to create change. We want to see justice for all people. We want to come together, people of different races and backgrounds, geographical locations. We want to come together and know our oneness. That's a huge change. So you don't get the luxury of maneuvering only through the virus. You don't get the luxury of only dealing with your church building closed. You have to find out where do you fit in all of this? What is yours to do within you? And is there any action you're being called to do around you? It's almost like taking a caterpillar and creating a butterfly but having that butterfly at the same time transforming into a rabbit you know it's it's big we have to honor how big these changes are because we have to take care of ourselves we have to recognize what that knot in our stomachs is at times and that it's okay until like Myrtle Fillmore, our co-founder, to love our bodies through it. And to open to that which we are learning, to open to that which is transforming us and maybe even transmuting us in the midst of it. Change is nothing to sneeze at. Change is something to be honored, and it is the very basis of human life. We grow, we change, we become, and more and more we become the light of God shining. And it's those big changes, the big challenges that give us a step up, a huge step up in being the light of God. And then to add to all of that, has anybody gotten the playbook? In other words, has anyone received, okay, so we're opening the church on such and such date, and on such and such date we can ditch the masks, and then on such and such date there will be a brand new world order 
where new ways of offering justice for all will be there. And on such and such day, you know, like, we don't know how long this is going to take. We don't know what it's going to demand of us. We don't know how many setbacks we're going to have to deal with and then come back forward. We don't know if we're in this for the next three months, three years, ten years. I'm not saying that it's going to be that long, but truth is we don't know. And we don't know if another challenge might not enter. So we've got to juggle even more things. I was talking to a very good friend. She's African-American. She's a minister. And we were talking about other stuff. And, and then it hit me. I mean, in the beginning of conversations, I say, how, her name is Diana. And she's the Minister of Unity of San Leandro. And we would always say, how are you, when we begin a conversation. I said, but Diana, you know, I never really asked you, how are you? How are you doing with all of this? Go, my heart breaks when I watch some of the violence that's portrayed on the streets. My heart breaks for the people who have been killed. I said, but what's this like for you? This, this has got to be much worse for you. And she said, no. She goes, it's worse for you. And I was kind of curious. And what she said to me is from the time I was little, I was told that the vision that we're holding, the changes we're creating, it's going to be the long haul. From the very time I was little, I knew to expect that the work we're called to do is the long haul. So when there is a step back, I know that's just part of the long haul. When the pain hasn't gone away quite yet, I know it's part of the long haul. And we talked some more and I thought about it. And I know that the only way we hold our creative power in the midst of all of this and manage to see it as the long haul is if we use that creative power within us and we've been taught that the vision that we hold is what we manifest. So doing the long haul is staying strong in our vision no matter how many steps back it takes. To let go of the grumbling and to hold the vision, to stay in faith that the highest good is now unfolding, no matter how it looks. And then to take the action that we are called to do, to do that which we are guided to do when we go into the silence. So I learned that if I'm going to make it through this and and maybe even be a butterfly at the other end. I need to learn what my friend knows how to do, to be in it for the long haul, to hold the vision, to stay in faith, and to do the footwork that is mine to do. I don't know who said this, but I've heard it often, that the most dangerous phrase in the language is, we've always done it 
this way. That could kill the power and the beauty of change, of the creative process. And then this is one of my favorite sayings about change, and it's from Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. So allow that chemicalization, allow those moments, but when it's all said and done, commit to the long haul, hold your vision, stay in faith, do the footwork and be the change you want to see in the world. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center. Our services are every Sunday, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. You can support our podcast by making a donation at www.unityvacaville.org. Just